I want to talk about generous prosperity. Everyone loves the second word. We're not always too excited about the first word. But my, my, I guess the thing I want to let you know is I don't know that you can get to prosperity if you're not generous. So we're going to look at that for a little bit. Don't, don't, don't get all uncomfortable. Like I said, I, I, once, maybe twice a year I'll preach on this. So just hang in there. We'll be okay. This is not, listen, I'm not the only one that took up offerings. We see, we see Abraham paying his tithes before Moses. So it's before the law. People say, well, we're tithing's under the law. No, <laughs> it was before the law. Abraham paid tithes. Moses took up an offering that was so huge that he had to stop them from giving. I want to live long enough to have that experience where I tell you, stop giving. We can't deal with it anymore. <laughs> How many believe that's possible? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there's some faith in the house. Praise God. Uh, we talked about Nehemiah. He had to raise funds to build the temple. We, we go on and on, you know, uh, and, and, and here's the thing. Jesus, when you talk about all the different subjects Jesus talked about, Jesus spent more time, there's more scriptures, from, you know, the red letters in your Bible, there's more scriptures of Jesus speaking about money and material things than any other subject Jesus talked about. So if you don't like me talking about it, take it up with Jesus. But Jesus had an advantage. When Jesus had to pay his taxes, he made a fish cough it up. That ain't right. That is not right. Peter said, we got to pay taxes. Go fishing. Well, I, we need to go fishing. Some of you, when you go fishing, you need to look in that fish's mouth and make sure. That's just not right, but... But we're, we're going to talk about a story here about Paul when Paul had to raise an offering. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. Let's get into the word. Beloved ones, we must tell you, we must tell you, Paul, I got to tell you about the grace God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. How many want to hear about this great grace God poured out? For even during a season of severe difficulty and tremendous suffering, because they were under persecution. People were killing the Macedonians. And they were losing their jobs because they were Christians. They became even more filled with joy. Wow. From the depths of their extreme poverty, super abundant joy overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. That verse, there's nothing in that verse that works. They have nothing, but they gave an amazing offering <laughs> to other people that were hurting because there was a famine in Jerusalem. Not only that, but they had super abundant joy over it. For I can verify that they spontaneously gave, not only according to their means, but far beyond what they could afford. They actually begged us for the privilege of sharing in this ministry of giving to God's holy people who are living in poverty. I don't know that anyone's ever begged me to give. That's, that's, that's amazing. 
Maybe because I'm so quick to take it, maybe then. They exceeded our expectations, watch this, by first dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us according to God's pleasure. Wow, this is great. You do well and excel in every respect, Journey Life Center. You excel in unstoppable faith, in powerful preaching, in revelation knowledge, in your passionate devotion, and in sharing the, the love we have shown to you. So make sure that you also excel in grace-filled generosity. This is a grace that we've got to figure out. I mean, nobody thinks about this. How do I excel in generosity? Wow. Wow. This is an amazing scripture. So they're in this great poverty. They have abundant joy. They insisted on giving. So how does this, how do we do it? How do we excel in giving? Well, well first of all, you have to understand <laughs> that you have to, first of all, be obedient. You have to do what God tells you to do. Not what I tell you to do, but what God tells you to do. So, but listen, your obedience does not buy blessing. It releases what has already been promised. Because sometimes we get it in our head, if I do this, God will do that. No, 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 no. It's not quid pro pro. No, 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 no. Here's what it is. The day you got saved. How many remember when you got saved? The day you got the day you got saved, God opened the bank vault. <coughs> the day you got saved, he opened the windows of heaven. Remember when you first got saved, what joy you had? You were going to win the world. You were so excited. Blessings were coming your way. Remember the protection you got? Remember how God surrounded you? It was just blessing upon blessing upon blessing. It was just really wonderful. So God released that. But when you started getting about you instead of God, when you started, when you became disobedient to what some of the things God wanted you to do, then he starts shutting that off. And I don't know that so much that God shuts us off as much as he's not able to bless disobedience so it's not I do a good thing and God gives me something no he's already giving and you can keep the spigot open if you'll just stay obedient to God praise him if you believe that's true Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, the word of God, but you shall meditate in a day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, say then, then you will make your way and you will have good. If you give, if you keep the word, Verse 9, for I, have I not commanded you, be strong and of courage, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 9, therefore keep the words of this covenant and that you may prosper in all that you do. See, I can get up here and talk about giving, but how about let the word just talk? Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
Last one, verse 10. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large, give you, give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. Wow. And, 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 and houses, houses full of all good things. I'm going to give you a house fully furnished which you did not fill, hewn out wells, which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, hello, America, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So when you get blessed, don't forget the Lord. So that's foundational. But I think the second most important thing is that if you're going to excel in the grace of giving, you need a plan to be generous. Generosity is not like, well, I got $3 in my pocket. I guess I can. It's not random giving. Generosity is planned. Generosity is thought out. Generosity is this is what I want to do. This is what God's calling me to do. I like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and, and verse 6. And, and here's Paul again. He said, here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest. But the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. How many want an abundant harvest? So you got to sow it. Let giving flow from your heart. Not from a sense of religious duty. Can I promise you something today? I am not, I'm doing everything in my ability not to make you feel guilty. I don't want you to give because you feel bad. Because you'll get over it. For one thing. But I want you to give not because it's religious duty. Sometimes tithing's done like that. They put you on a guilt trip. No, you can't give out a religious duty. <laughs> so let it flow, say flow. Not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving. All because God loves hilarious generosity. He loves hilarious generosity. <laughs> Watch this. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything. Every moment and in every way, He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Wow! Put that on your refrigerator. Just as the Scriptures say about the one who trusts in Him, because He has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, His kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. This generous God who supplies abundant, he supplies the seed. You already have it. Which becomes bread for our meals. Let me stop right there and just quickly say there's a difference between seed and bread. You need to know the difference. You eat your bread, you sow your seed. Some blessings God gives you are meant to to be bread, eat, and enjoy. But some of the things he gives you are meant to be seed. Put it in the ground. And it becomes bread. 
you got to know the difference. Sometimes God blesses you and you feel guilty. No, no. If God blesses you with something, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. God bless you. doesn't mean you have to give it away. If he tells you to, then it's seed. But if he doesn't, just enjoy it. God bless you. Don't, don't let me make you feel guilty over it. All right? Difference between seed and bread. Because bread is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it. So you reach in the bag and there's more in there. It just keeps coming. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. Your giving increases thanksgiving. Verse 12. The priestly ministry you are providing through your offering. Did you know giving is a priestly offer, is priestly ministry? Not only supplies what is lacking for God's people, it inspires an outpouring of praises and thanksgiving to God himself. Amen. So as your extremely generous offering meets the approval of those in Jerusalem, that's where the money was going, it will cause them to give glory to God, all because of your loyal support and allegiance to the gospel of Christ, as well as your generous-hearted partnership with them toward those in need. Two more verses. Because of this extraordinary grace which God has lavished on you, they will affectionately remember you in their prayers. Praise God for his astonishing gift, which is far too great for words. Real quick, watch this. Here's what, here's what I just read to you real quick. I won't preach each seven points. You reap what you sow. Number two, giving should be intentional, never grudgingly. Number three, our sufficiency is our abundance to do good works. God gives you seed to do good works. He supplies seed and bread. Giving releases praise and thanksgiving. Do you ever get, you know, God, somebody gives you something, blesses you, what do you do? You're thankful for that. Giving releases prayers for you. You're, you know, someone's going to pray for you because you bless them. And finally, he says this, giving is an indescribable gift. That God gives you to perform. Praise God. In scriptures, there are three kinds of giving, basically. You know what the first one is. It's the tithe. The tithe is not a law. It's a principle. That's why even sinners who tithe are often very blessed. It's a principle. People say, I don't believe in tithing because that's under Moses and the law. But like I said, Abraham tithed long before Moses. And Jesus talked about tithing in the book of Hebrews. Now, I don't want to make it a law. And let's get back to what I said earlier. I don't, I don't like it when people get up and say, if you don't tithe, you're blah, blah, blah. That's not what it's about. Here's what it is. There are blessings that only come to you when you tithe. If you don't tithe, those certain, I don't know what they are. It's different for everybody. But I promise you, when you start tithing, 
things are going to change in your life. And there are blessings that are going to come to you that so far have not come to you. In other words, it opens, it opens windows that wouldn't otherwise be opened. You got it? Watch this. The tithe, when you pay it, recognizes who your Lord is. You just tell people, I give 10% of my money to the Lord. And they're like, well, I guess I know where they're at. Every time you put that tithe check in there, you're saying, he's my Lord. You're, you're confessing that. You're, you're saying, he's first. Because the tithe, by the way, is supposed to be your first fruits. It's not what's, you don't pay that what's a leftover. It's the first thing you pay. Everybody got me? He's Lord of all. How many believe he owns everything? You believe that? So he owns your car, your house, your job, your health, your kids. I mean, he owns it all, right? He owns the whole earth. That means none of us own anything. So you're basically paying rent. You know what? You're, here's what I heard somebody say. I, I, I believe it was Bill Johnson. He said, paying your tithe is paying rent. Your tithe is the rent money because he owns everything. Does that help anybody? Two people. Okay. I'm going to write Bill Johnson and say, that's a really bad illustration. Maybe, to, maybe this afternoon it'll come to you. If he owns it all, you, you need to pay your rent. Watch this. You never keep what you withhold. Somehow, there's an interesting scripture in, in Chronicles. How many know when, when the, the children of Israel went into captivity for 70 years, right? We say, well, that's because they were worshiping idols. and stuff. But you know what Second Chronicles says? The reason is because... Here, here's the here's thing. Every seven years, they were supposed to let the land rest. Guess what? They didn't do it. Guess how long they didn't do it? 490 years. They never did it. They just didn't do it. So what's 490 divided by seven? Because it's every seventh year. According to Chron Chronicles, God threw them off the land for 70 years because that's what they owed him. That's pretty deep. That's pretty deep. You can't keep what you withhold. <laughs> oh, it's quiet in this house. Lord, why did you make me do this? How about this? I just want to throw things out. There's so much we need to be saying, but the tithe is paid. The scriptures always talks about the tithe as something you pay. But let's get into the second one. Yeah, preacher, get off that thing. Offerings. Tithes are paid, but offerings are always given. Tithing opens heavens, opens the heavens, but offerings keep the fires burning. Ezekiel chapter 46, this is interesting. And we, we could quote hundreds of these. Let's go to this scripture, Ezekiel. It says, you shall, what? Daily make a burnt 
offering to the Lord uh, of a lamb of the first year without blemish. You should prepare it every morning. You should prepare a grain offering with it every morning, a sixth of an ephah and a third of oil to moisten the fine flour. Blah, blah, blah. This grain offering is a perpetual ordinance to be made regularly to the Lord. Thus they shall prepare the lamb, the grain offering, and the oil as a regular burnt offering every morning. So this is something, listen, it's very clear. You need to keep the fire burning. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and says, that's what offerings do. People would bring their lambs, they would bring their goats, they would bring their pigeons, they would bring them, and, and they would bring that, and that kept the fire burning. I think what keeps the fire burning is, 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 is the offerings that we give. And, and, of course, that's not just money either. It's, it's any time you give of yourself, that keeps the fire burning. It's, it's you know, when Mary broke the alabaster box. Listen, that was her retirement. <laughs> they didn't have banks back then. They, they, would, they would save up precious metal, or more often than not, they would save precious herbs or spices or oils. And they would put that in a box that the only way to get into it after it's, they would fill it up and they would seal it and they would just keep it. And that was their, that was, um, their retirement. They would, they would, they would, just keep that. And, and if they didn't need it for retirement, they used it for their burial. Because if you didn't have a lot of money, they just threw you out in the thing out in the field where a lot of people wound up. So, so if you could afford a funeral, that was you were pretty far up. That was her funeral money. But she gave it to Jesus for his. You don't think, and Jesus noticed it, and it lit a fire in Jesus. I tell you, offerings light fires. I'm including those pledges that you're giving as, as, as offerings that you give to the Lord. It lights fires. Wow. It honors Jesus. Notice that she wiped his feet with her hair. There's that towel ministry again. But now she's honoring Lord. She didn't use a towel. She used her hair. That's her glory. She wiped his feet with her glory. Now that's deeper than you're, than you're letting on. Some of you need to let your hair down. And by the way, he's not just attracted to large amounts of money. When he, when he sat in the temple, he watched what everybody gave. And I'm going to make you nervous because Jesus watches what you give. It's the Bible. He watched what they gave. And he noticed a widow woman came in, and she put in her last little mite. I'm sure the leadership didn't think a thing about it, like... I mean, basically, it's putting a penny in there. All right, let's go nickel. I mean, that was all she, that was. Watch this. Jesus noticed her nickel. Because percentage-wise, it was huge. 
It was all she had. So it doesn't matter how much you give, it's how much you sacrifice. So here's the third one, and I'll quit. Alms. Giving to the needy. Giving to the needy is lending to the Lord. Proverbs 19 and verse 17. Mercy to the needy is a loan to God. And God pays back those loans in full. How many believe his interest rate is well above 1%? He's way ahead of the banks. Isn't that neat? When you give to someone in need, that's a loan to God. You're going to get that back with interest. Wow. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Everybody okay? Those are the three basic kinds of giving. You tithe, you give offerings, you give to the poor. All three of those are here on your card. And you can decide. By the way, if you look at the expenses on your little sheet there, there's one that says benevolence. Last year, needy families in the church, we gave $8,253 helping families in the church. And I believe we can do more if you'll help us. Nobody should be hurting. Nobody should have their... Nobody should go through winter without heat. If you don't have food, you're going to have food. We're not paying your cable bill. You could pay for HBO on your own money. But if you have a need, ah, oh, Jesus. First Timothy chapter 6. Tell those rich in this world, now don't tune me out because you're not rich. Because everybody in America is way ahead, way ahead of everybody else in the world. We're rich. Quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, Whew. which is here today, gone tomorrow. I've often said you can't, you've never seen a hearse with a trailer behind it. But the other day on the Internet, I actually saw a hearse with a trailer. Tell them to go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. I opened this by saying God opened a, a vault when you got saved. But you also have a bank account in heaven that you deposit into. And every time you do without and every time you help somebody and every time you sacrifice and, and every time you give, not just money but time, talent, treasure, every time you give, 
Every time you give, that's deposited. The Bible says when we get to heaven, we'll have mansions. Some will have shanties, but you'll be glad you made it, right? Rewards vary in heaven. Hello? They vary. And, and I'm not just, you know, after rewards, but when I get to heaven, and this is one of the first sermons I ever preached, all I want, all I want is to hear, well done. There's a whole lot of things he's not going to ask me. He really, you understand, he really doesn't care how big the church is. He doesn't care what the ties are. He doesn't, he doesn't even care if I make you happy. He's just going to ask me, have you been faithful? And that's all he's going to ask you. That's all he's going to ask you. Well done, thou good and faithful. Towel wiper. Faithful servant. And giving's a small part of that. Please understand. Small part of that. Wow. I, I, I wonder if you're not able to tithe, if you could do it. I wonder if you could give your tithe in other ways. That, that, that thought just hit me. I, I, maybe that can be pursued. I don't know. But I want to live under an open heaven. And I want to keep the fires burning. Listen, God's already given me the next series. And the title of it is Keeping It Lit. It might be three, five, it might be ten weeks long. I don't know. One of the things I remember as a little Catholic boy coming to church every day. Except Saturday, every day I had to go to church. But one of the things I'll never forget, because I was an altar boy and I had to work with this once in a while, they had that giant chain from the ceiling. And there's that candle in there. And inside that little vessel with the glass around it was a lit candle. And that thing burned 24 hours a day. When it got real low, they would light another one so that fire, when they would take the other one out. They knew something that maybe we Pentecostals aren't aware of, and that's the presence of God. We don't need a candle burning in here 24 hours a day. Someone will knock it over and burn the church down. <laughs> right? But aren't you glad for the presence? Oh, I'm so glad for the presence. And you can't pay enough for that, and you don't, and you can't, and you don't pay for that. But I'm just hungry for an open heaven under your home. I'm, I'm praying for an open heaven under our church. God, let there be an open heaven in our community. There's too many demons. There's too many, too many things fighting and holding back this city. It's time for the release of the Holy Spirit. The release the Holy Spirit. I want revival in our city and all the counties around us. God, send the fire. Send the fire.